1: Stream classic
0: sitcoms like The Office, Parks and Recreation, and Two and a Half Men. Plus, catch Peacock original comedies like AP Bio and Saved by the Bell. For all your exclusive comedy faves, go to PeacockTV.com
1: and get started.
0: Good
1: morning and welcome.
0: To a new edition of the Arsenal Opinion Podcast. I'm back with Alex after our own mini uh, mini winter break. Alex, how are you?
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm well, man. Very good. Had a, had a very nice break from the podcast and obviously it was a um, uh, really enjoyable match yesterday against Newcastle. Great results. So, uh, you know, really pleased to be back with something more positive to talk about
0: uh did um what did you do in the last two weeks did you do anything excited did you go traveling did you watch um some foreign football did you take in the bundesliga or maybe Serie A? like what's your uh, what was your poison or did you just literally <laughs> say no more football
1: <laughs> it's weird actually so i've got um bt sport for some reason and i i i never use it um except in it I, I did actually watch some bundesliga funnily enough that you mentioned it just trying to do a bit of scouting um Sort of at my my knowledge of European football. I think I watched Dortmund have a crazy game with um, some other team. That's how great my memory is. Uh, so I did do a bit of scouting. I I don't have anyone to report back on except for Harland. He's he's definitely someone we should be watching. There might be uh, breaking news, but um, he looks quite good. He does. I was
0: he scored like nine goals in four games.
1: Yeah, yeah. That that's my hot tip. By the way, that's a pro tip. I I doubt many other people will will know about him yet.
0: I also doubt that many people are going to be aware of um, Haaland. And, and if you're, if you're not, um, definitely recommend tuning in. I think it's quite interesting mm-hmm. the way that they've structured the deal there. I mean, uh, he's he's kind of um, like been built for, for the game. Like he's got a dad. His dad is uh, o- obviously Alfie. I think his name was Alfie Inga Haaland. Alfie
1: Alf Inga, yeah. He's the guy who um, Roy Keane did that disgusting tackle on. I think he destroyed
0: his career didn't he he did yeah so uh, i think that he was i think he was a, is it Mulder he? no or he, he uh, wh- wherever he started um he got he picked his move to uh to the Red Bull um the Red Bull team or, uh, yeah. had a had a 20 million uh 20 million euro uh release fee put in yeah. there and he basically has gone he he's trying to train himself up for the big league so go, going from um from uh Salzburg to the Bundesliga to play at uh, Dortmund with like the, the their really exciting attacking lineup. And then I think I think he's got a sixty million buyout for the next one. So he oh, won't really? he won't quite push into like Mbappe levels. So uh, I think he's just making himself appealing to, to other clubs and then it will be a bidding war. And I, I would imagine that that kid is going to earn a disgusting amount of money throughout his career but my word yes. i mean it's not often professionals right. um, well, professionals kids uh, have that sort of level of focus and he's just gonna also, slow his dad out of the park
1: as i said seems, i think an interesting parallel with martinelli right because it, he seems like his dad has sort of been training him for his moment this sort of his whole life and like you know he's been training with him for, from a very young age thing I, I i read somewhere and it's funny because i was have this theory about football that it's the ultimate, um, leveler, it's the ultimate meritocracy and you can be born anywhere with, you know, any background, any amount of money. Um, but you, it, it doesn't really matter who your parents were or how, you know, sort of how wealthy your family is. You, you can make it and become a superstar based on your own ability and merits. And I think that largely that's true, but there are, <laughs> there are actually a few cases where that sort of natural talent has been curated by a, a sort of supportive or a pushy parent and i'm just kind of thinking you know reflecting on my own career obviously never made it professionally never really got into my school scene but if only i'd i'd had a you know my mum would push me a bit a bit further to train a bit better i could have been a professional as well maybe So it's a real shame
0: it is it is a real shame it's the um he's his white privilege shining through <laughs> in this instance <laughs> Yeah, so we've got a lot to we've got a lot to get through uh, today because a lot has happened since the last time we spoke. We've been uh, we've been on a on a jolly to Dubai so the players can uh, can have a a corporate getaway, get to know each other. Mm -hmm. They got to bring their families, do some training in the warm sun. Uh, we've got the Matteo Guendozi story he's uh, had a big falling out with Mikel Arteta and he wasn't in the squad mm. um we're obviously going to talk about the Newcastle game and then maybe uh maybe have a little bit of a reassessment of what we think the goals are heading into um heading into the next 3 months because i think we should probably touch on the Manchester City ban Cause oh, yeah. I, I was, I was shocked. I was absolutely shocked to be, um, to be perfectly honest that they, they got the ban. Right. Yeah. So let's, uh, let's, let's rattle into that in part two. I'm going to go and check the sound. Sound is good, Alex. The sound is good. So let's, uh, let's jump into the game. We're going to, we're going to roll with that tried and tested formula, um, What did we like? Um, Where is that? What's it? I forgot what the formula was. (laughs) What 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 was good? What was bad? uh, And what could be? um, Oh no! It was uh, attack, defense, and performance. Um, Good good and bad would also work, but maybe um, a little limited. Um, So let's uh, let's go through the 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 three areas again because I think if there was a if there's been a pattern with Arteta, it's generally been that performance-wise, great first half, shit second half. Defense has been solid and the attack has been uh, tepid at best. But our kind of overall view was that he was trying to build solidity for the back and uh, and then, you know, progress his thinking a little further forwards. Although he did say in his press conference that that wasn't the case. Um, Yeah. uh, You know, he's trying to work on all things at the same time. So um let, let's let's talk about the starting lineup because i think that that also indicates uh, like a shift in perspective uh, yes yeah. uh, uh back in the side with uh with david yeah. Luiz, uh we see another start from bellerin but the key difference in this game seemed to be that danny sabios has earned his way back into the starting 11 and um, alex what what do you what do you think the the is thinking with Ceballos? Is this a, a, a weaker squad because he's thinking about Europa, or is this is this something that he sees in Ceballos that perhaps he doesn't see in other midfielders?
1: Well, I think there's probably two things. I think I was thinking about this. You know, you know, if you're playing Newcastle at home, despite sort of our, our current form not not being great. They're they're likely to sit off you and let you have a lot of the ball. So actually, you you probably don't need a a midfield destroyer um, uh, or a guy who's going to break up play like Torreira as much as you might in a, in a an away game or somewhere where we're, we're playing a better team. So I think. The assumption might have been that you know they'll back up us, give us space. So actually, having another guy who can play forward balls and 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 you know look to progress the game quickly made sense. I and mean, he was obviously great at that yesterday. That was a, the sort of second standout performance he's had this season. I mean, actually, to be fair, it was, yeah. I mean, what, actually, what
0: was the uh, what was the original performance? Was it it was, it was almost one of his first games, wasn't it? At home? Yeah, it was,
1: it was. I think it was Burnley at home uh, where he was he was really good um But it's kind of you know so it's it's obviously great it's obviously a shame there have only been two and we're in February it's partly not you know his fault because of injury but I think
0: injury sorry, playing in an emery system being very young memory. and adapting to a new country right
1: yeah yeah fair. yeah exactly but I think so I think there's there's sort of two that, that was the first reason why it made sense to for him to play and the second one is the sort of intriguing part I'd love to know more about is. Um, it was all what I said about the change in his attitude. He almost um,
0: said he almost said his behaviour was bad, didn't he? Yeah, it yeah said his behaviour was bad, and then now he's changed. And he, he said he was played like an animal in training and on the pitch. And you're like, wow. Yeah, I mean, he, I mean, he really think, did play well yesterday.
1: But he's he's tenacious when he when he's sort of up for it or gets a chance. He he really he worked really hard, as well as being really good on the ball. He's not, you know, the the best tackler, but. He covers a lot of ground, so I, you know. I think it was just about finding the the right form of words to un- unlock him and, and get him motivated. But I do, like I said, I I know it's this sort of you know tough line with footballers, and if they're throwing their toys out of the pram. But sometimes I would just love to know what they're doing. So I know we're going to talk about him later, but Gwen Doozy being a bit obnoxious at um, the training camp in Dubai. I mean, the guy's twenty. <laughs> I, yeah, I just and- I would kind of like to know what. What what he said and just uh, so I find it quite funny, but um, yeah. So it, it's obviously good. Sbarros has got over that and it is impressing Arteta.
0: Yeah, uh, it, I almost wonder. And again, we will get we will we'll go deeper into the Guedes story a little bit later. But it's it's almost like the players are pushing the boundaries to see how far they can go. Sbarros has tried his luck. It didn't work, so now it's like, well, knuckle down or go back and uh, sit with Zidane, who is not going to give you game mm-hmm. time. I mean, if if he doesn't get a full time move to Arsenal, yeah, it's it's bitter isn't it? Yeah. Not, he's not moving. I don't think he's. I don't, I don't think he's made enough of an impact to uh, to get a big move elsewhere. So it really right. is important.
1: But, I thought- but can I just say, sorry, yeah. can I, I, do, you know what? This is like. I mean, I think it's interesting, right? Each of these little battles is like a it's a test of Arteta's leadership and he's had basically had to do that with every member of the squad since coming in as a as a guy who's never managed before and you know questions about his experience and could he deliver and he's basically won every single battle with each of these personalities whether they're you know big or you know a, a, a top player who does who's questioning his experience or a guy who's got no like like a Bamiang or a guy who's you know basically hates the fans in the club and, and wants to leave like Xhaka or a guy who's got no confidence like Mustafi and he's won every single one of these little micro battles of leadership and got these guys sort of believing in him, believing in the club, giving their all. He's done it with Sabayas. Probably arguably the only person he hasn't done it with is is Doozy. and I'd say that's probably just because he's a bit young and a bit, you know, being a bit stupid. Um, he's and, a bit daft, isn't he? He comes yeah, across that way anyway. yeah. But the, but the potential is we either we either get him to realise the opportunity, or Arteta does, and and he becomes part of the team and a great prospect, or we move him on. You know he's on a long term contract. He's he's an international internationally capped player at twenty. He's a, he's a really talented guy, so we probably get quite a lot of money for him. So it's not it's a sort of win win really with him, isn't it?
0: Yeah, and and the Sabios thing is interesting because nothing nothing focuses your mind like the threat of losing your job, as it were. I know it's not quite the same thing yeah. in football, but. I, I'd imagine that maybe somebody behind the scenes is like, you know, you've really got to make a go of this. This is like last, last chance saloon. You're a great player. Mm. Um, you've got a brilliant future, like knuckle down and show us what you can do. So, yeah. um, I, I was excited to see Ceballos in the middle. I, I don't, I have always have a view that he's a bit more of a dribbler than he is. He's actually like, I felt like the way that he played, particularly in the second half, um, mm. where it was very clear that it was like Jacker give the ball to Ceballos. Um, yeah. Uh, he 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 just moves the ball really really quickly, like very positively. Yeah. He drives the play forward. So it was um, you know, there were a few hairy moments yesterday where he wasn't paying attention. I still don't think he's fully adapted to the pace of the league, but he was definitely yeah. definitely shifted the ball around and he definitely opened up a lot of space for Özil uh, and and the wide players in the second half. So I thought yeah. it was um, I thought I thought it looked like a, a solid move. It'd be interesting to see how he plays in a team that. Uh, presses a bit more aggressively but when given the time um, you know he he certainly knows how to um, bring some excitement to the game so um, talking uh, uh, like let's go back straight into Mustafi as well I don't think there is a better turnaround project in sport than what's happening with with Mustafi the guy was broken he had to go on the dot com and basically say "I've, I've been shit and I'm sorry the, yeah. the, the but the the attitude and uh, I'm I'm going to say it the fearlessness that he's showing in his game is quite something else. You know, there was there was one Mustafi moment where he where he pe- played a bit of a, a wayward pass under very little pressure. But yeah. Overall. Um, Like he's dominant in the air, and I don't think he gets enough credit for that. He's also dominant in the opposition box, Um, and his passing was phenomenal yesterday. Like eighty nine percent pass completion rate for somebody who was basically on his knees a few months ago. Like I know that you're a massive fan of Mustafi. Yeah. Um. You put and you put your foot in your mouth a few times by overpraising him. Like what? Like how how great does it feel to be completely vindicated?
1: Right. Yeah, so I mean, yeah, I wear my Mustafi shirt now most days um, with pride. I think, uh, yeah, I think so. We're four. I think we're roughly four games in since we've had a Mustafi incident, which is progress. But that doesn't mean there's not one on the horizon. And we should never, ever not remember to learn our lesson with him. Always um, waits in the wings. But, I, but you're right. I think, and again, this sort of selection. That it, and this is me now contradicting what I've just said. You sort of him this end, You remember, you, and, and actually, it's worth. it. There were a couple of Mustafi moments, like that pass, but also just where he drops off a player that he should be attacking. And yeah,
0: he dropped off very he, early on, didn't he? he drops there, off. Um, he just, yeah, uh, Joel Linton, that, just letting yeah. him run into the box.
1: Yeah, but but the good the stuff you see and you remember actually, like he's fairly quick. He's he's a good passer generally. He's a better passer than Socrates. And actually having Luiz on the left and him on the right spraying those passes out, I think is why Arteta picked him. Um, and he's good in the air. And, he, you know, so he's got all the attributes to be quite a good defender. He's just got a brain that sort of goes into meltdown when he's under pressure. And actually, if, if that can be ironed out or at least made to be slightly less less bad, then, yeah, he, again, it's a sort of win-win. If we've got him to the end of the season... There's a, a body at the back who can do an okay job, um, but then there's someone we can actually re, like with resale value in the summer. You know, Arteta deserves a, an Oscar for that, to be honest, if he manages to do that. And I actually want to—I know we talk about performance at the end, but I think, well, in a minute. But I think what was what's interesting is
0: like
1: the start of the game. You could see straight away the the plan was drag drag and I think we did it against Bournemouth like drag Newcastle over to to our right and then when we get them out we're sort of you know passing back and forth when we get them over there for Mustafi to launch a ball cross field to Saka who's in loads of space and we tried it a couple of times in the first five minutes and then it stopped kind of clicking and then that's when I think we started started to have a few problems but it it's clear that He's a big part of that game plan, and if it's not Louise pinging those balls, it's it's him. So I think that's why Arteta I think that's why Arteta is keen on him. But we we do need to just say, you know, this could all blow up at any minute, and you know, next game he could score eight eight own goals. We just don't know.
0: And I, I, I think the uh, Arsenal fans. I mean, maybe just the Arsenal fans on my blog who are uh, <laughs> some of a very special breed. Um, but the, the, the people who are like. Yes, I know he's playing well, but I don't want him anywhere near my team. And it's—I I, I, I think people are failing to realise that this is not Arteta's squad. This is not yeah. his ideal. But I think—I think that like what it, the strategy looks to me like he is trying to bring back the confidence of players that have lost it, and he's trying yeah. to at least bring their value back up yeah. to a reasonable standard. Mustafi is not a two million pound defender. He is. A 35 million pound defender that's won a world cup. He should be able to go to a club that can afford him. If we can shift a wobey for 40 million, we yeah. can shift him. Um, Granite Jacker is not a terrible player, he just wasn't suited to the system that we were playing him in. Uh, mm. now he's starting to look like oh, he certainly looks uh, he's certainly looking better value than 24 million pounds. Yeah. So yeah. I think that he's just trying to bring everybody's value up this summer, so that he can get a, a bigger purse to play with. So, mm. uh, and I still think that if if we'd if we'd sold five players in January and brought five players in, we'd be in a worse situation because he'd have to acclimate a whole bunch of players, and you know, yeah. as we're seeing with Pepe, it takes a long time for people yeah. to adapt to this league. Okay, so um, let's. Uh, I mean, I don't know where, where, where do you want to start. Do you want to start with, I mean, well, performance? Saw, and just talk about. We saw overall...
1: touch on touch on defence. Could I just finish off on that, and then we can do attack and performance? Yeah, I just I thought it was quite interesting. So obviously Sackle ended up having a, a sort of blinder of game and got man of the match, and that that nutmeg was was a thing of beauty. He. Um, I think he actually, despite in spite of that, I think he actually struggled a bit with. Is it what's the guy's name? It's not it was Lazaro. 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 Who's quite impressive. I, he had it. He was in, he was quick, and actually, Saka tried to take him on quite early on in the game, and and couldn't. And and actually, I think that stifled quite a lot of our play because the plan was obviously to get it to him. There wasn't much as much of an overlap or as much of an understanding between him and Aubameyang as there is between him and Martinelli. So I think we he. It, it sounds counterintuitive. He did a man-of-the-match performance and, you know, created an amazing uh, assist. But, I think he he struggled a bit in the first half, which is why we struggled. And I think, on the other side, Bellerin, obviously, you know, got roasted by, um, is it Sam Maxin? Sam, Sam you know, Maxson. Like, a couple, <laughs> a couple of times. But but that, but, sorry, but the, the thing I was going to say, that maybe Ainsley maitland Nas wasn't even in the squad. And I kind of, I thought he was doing alright at right back. I don't know if he's injured, but, I don't really understand what what sort of happened there especially with the signing of Cedric but sorry those are my defensive observations
0: and to uh, to touch back on that because he de like I think Saka did have problems um at, at, against um Lazaro in the in the first half but testament to his character he never yeah. shirked and he kept on going and he kept on going and ev- even the goal where he you know put the ball through the legs you know mm. it, it, he he didn't give up and he's 18 years old and he's he's fearless and I think that yeah that you know, shows the sort of gravy that we've got coming through the youth teams. I yeah. thought um my my defensive observations it was it was more of a worry and I I know mm. um I called him San, San Traore uh yeah. on the blog yesterday because I think that he is, he's the, he's in the same position that Triore was three years ago. Yeah. Uh, like, you know, there's a player in there waiting to be unlocked. Um, I just yeah. think he probably needs a better coach than Steve Brewster to, to, uh, to find the key. But, um, Tri- Triore, um, sorry, not Triore, um, Hector Pellerin looks very, very off the pace. And mm. he, he almost, he almost looks like, I, I don't know, like he's, he's weaker. You know, it looks like he's lost yeah. a lot of weight. Um, And I I, I do worry that that injury has cost him his pace. I mean, like his pace when he first burst onto the scene was crazy. You chase down balls and you think there's no chance he's getting to that and he'd make it every time. Now he did. He just doesn't look at the races at the moment. Well, he like, was
1: he was quicker than Walcott. He was the quickest boat at the club, wasn't he?
0: He was, yeah, he was. And yeah. I, I don't know whether that's coming back or whether there's a rehabilitation there, but there there has to be a concern because uh, a fullback without blistering pace is is not particularly useful.
1: And what what do you think about Ainsley Mate? Is he injured, or do you, I mean because he's he's quick and I I thought he was. He'd acquitted himself quite well in that role, so I don't really understand why he's. I'm gonna check if he's injured, but um, why he's sort of not even making the squad now?
0: Yeah, I don't know. Maybe they're just. I think they've got well, we've got three games in uh, seven days. I think maybe they'll they'll rotate the squad. Uh, yeah,
1: yeah, that's fair. Yeah.
0: And, and I don't think that he's ever. I mean, Arteta's comment about bad behaviour and attitude. Uh, was it was a broad statement i don't think that yeah I, i'm pretty sure that i've never heard of um ashley uh, ainsley being a problem behind the scenes but you nah. never know yeah. um so so overall another another clean sheet i think that it was a fairly lucky clean sheet to be honest yeah. i mean the, yeah. the 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 post was rattled um, I think the Burn Leno had to make uh, a few good saves. Um, and just one more defensive observation: Burn Leno's um, distribution is getting a bit quicker.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: And uh, a, a little bit more, a little bit more strategic in in the way that he rolls the ball out. So I thought that that was interesting. And uh, another good game from David Luiz, who's starting to look a bit more like the the player uh, the the you know ruled the show at Chelsea. Yeah. so moving on into attack i mean definitely a story of two halves we didn't Mm. we we have one shot in the first 25 minutes and then um we saw out the game having eight attempts through on target and then in the second half it seemed like arteta instructed the players to just keep with it speed up um the the their approach Mm. and um be a bit more aggressive and a bit more um purposeful i made this stupid mistake at half time saying that nicholas pepe said that no defender in the premier league bothered him and he's out there playing like he did in the in the first half yeah like, because he he's a very interesting player isn't he he's very very quick but he's actually very good at slowing the game down and i think yeah. in the first half he just he gets caught in two minds and then cuts back second half yeah. was uh was a different Nicholas Pepe. Um, what yeah. did you What did you make of our attacking force? Did they, Did we start to see a bit more of uh, of where Arteta's taking the thing?
1: Actually, when when Emery first came in, the team pressed really well, and that fa- fell by the wayside. And I was really worried um, that the same thing was going to happen with us under Arteta. And it it seemed to be certainly from this game and and Burnley that we'd just lost some of that intensity. Um, which was impacting our attacking play. And it, it went in, first in terms of how we were trying to win the ball back, but also going forward, as you said, just too many times, not just Pepe, but Erzil and Bamiang and you know, everyone seemed to just get the ball and then check back and then pass it, you know, pass the ball sideways and let, let Newcastle reset. And it was only after, I think it was after half time, well, actually, I think the key to this performance and to the attacking performance specifically was actually Ozil. Cause I remember I was with my brother at the game and he was sort of saying after 30 minutes, he said he'd been watching him and he just, he's just never moving in space. He's just sort of a bit of a passenger and then something clicked for him after 30, 35 minutes. I don't know if it was an instruction Marteta or, or something, but he just suddenly started to, you know, be a lot better on the ball, moving, stuff in space, creating chances, and and finding people, other people in space. And suddenly, everything just started to become a lot more dangerous when he he got into the game. And I think most of the chances created and the goals scored were thanks to his his movement. So I think this was actually well I think he got you know a goal. That I, I can't remember if he got an assist in the end, but. His performance really drove the team's performance, so I think he was key from an attacking point of view. Um, and also, uh, yeah, I mean, look, Pepe wanted to touch on him as well because he. We've talked about him before. I love the bloke. I think he could have been could be doing more in some scenarios, but his he's starting to become effective. And I think I, I looked after the game. He's now got six goals and six assists this season. Which actually, in your first season, considering we've still got a few months to go, if he could get to double figures on both those, that would be a pretty good debut season for him. And I think the thing I loved was for his goal was that he um, the movement he had to to actually get in position. It's just like he he saw something that no one else saw, and he got to where Saka was going to pass the ball. To, to make that chance look really easy, and I think that's just something in, sort of instinctive in 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 him that's really valuable. Um, so I, yeah, sorry, I've, I've, this has been a sort of rambling reply, but I basically think Ozil and, and Pepe were were sort of key to that attacking performance.
0: Yeah, I I think that Mesut Ozil had a really good game. I didn't I didn't feel that he was a passenger in the first half. I just mm. think the the whole team was was quite sluggish moving the the ball forward, and then in the second half we played with a a, a lot more purpose. It really helped getting um, the early goal. Um, really impressed with the delivery of Nicholas Pepe. I think he's, uh, yeah. he's he's actually a good dead ball specialist. as well. Oh yeah, I think he's uh, I think he's got a wicked cross. Um, but he started to he, he started to use his pace more aggressively. Instead of uh, you know accelerating, stopping, cutting back, he just a bit more direct in the second mm. half, and that caused problems. And I thought the I thought the goal that he took that that that's the sort of confidence that a seventy million pound winger has. Like nipped in yeah. front of uh, Mustafi, slotted it home, really nice and cool. Um, yeah, and you know we just need to see more of that from the aft. I thought I, I thought he worked fairly hard. I think mean, um, other things. I think like everybody seems to lose their mind about Obameyang playing out on the left, but I, I think Matt Scott mentioned so he actually plays better out on the left. Like he's not yeah. he's not good through the middle. Um, he can't hold the ball up. He gets bullied by defenders. I mean, sure, he's always going to sniff out goals, but I don't think he's yeah. as effective with the ball, um, uh, with his back to goal than you know potentially um, Eddie Nketiah or yeah. um, or Alex Lacazette. So I thought the um I thought the second half we started to see um a glimpse into the future. It's still I still don't think we've had like a a wow, this is what Arteta's game is all about moment yet. Yeah. But there was there's definitely um. There's definitely a bit more excitement about the way that we yeah. move the ball in the final third in spits and spats. Like there were a few sort of like one touch pass moves that were great. I think the I think the goal that uh was it Lacazette or Mesert scored? It was like 35 passes in the build up, the yeah, most the yeah. most that's happened this season.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really Can doing... I just say something about that as well, which I just saw. I don't know if he did it deliberately, but Lacazette's touch before he passes to Ozil there is absolutely sensational um I think it was sort of missed but, but like I said he might, have, he might just be falling over but I thought that was great and i you know it's kind of a, one of those weird Ozil goals where he somehow just doesn't hit it very hard at all but it still eludes the evades the keeper um yeah yeah
0: <laughs> I, I, I think the um I think the most exciting thing is that we scored four goals, and I don't think we've done that in, in over a year. And yeah. Arsenal should be beating teams by four goals on the regular. So yeah. e- even if even if the scoreline was flattering, I'm I'm still excited that oh, yeah. the game happened. And also, you know, a lot of credit has to go to Arteta and the coaching staff because one of the big criticisms that we've had is that second halves are generally not very good. And whatever they yeah. did in Dubai we we definitely didn't fade physically in this game no. I mean there's like I, I I hear you on the argument that maybe it didn't look like we pressed as hard but maybe we just pressed in a different way because um Matt Scott best best player in the world um he he's basically said that um Arsenal reduced Newcastle to the fewest amount of long balls from the back all season uh wow. Uh, the second least, uh, the team that reduced them the most was Leicester, who you know are arguably one of the best pressing forces yeah. in the league, and they beat them four or five nil. So it was, uh, it tactically the the pressing was smart and it and it did the job because um, although mm. Newcastle broke away a, a few times, um, they you know they, they certainly didn't worry us like a, a Watford did earlier on in the year. Um, yeah. What do you? Um, what did you make of Eddie in Ketia? His first Premier League um, start.
1: Yeah, yeah. So I didn't didn't mention him, but I thought, yeah, I thought it was obviously the right thing to to give Lacazette a rest. He his confidence is clearly on the floor, and he probably just needed a, a bit of time out. Um, and I think you know the obvious move would have been to put Mar- start Martinelli with the Bamiang. Um but clearly uh, Arteta sort of believes in in Nketi and he said he want you know he made the decision to not send him out on loan, so he needs to sort of follow through on that. And I think. In a lot of ways, it was really vindicated. Like the, the the main job of that number nine role now seems to be to lead the press, and you know he just chased everything all day. He was so um so energetic and covered so much ground and I run his ran his heart out. And I think I think it's it's a shame really that he had a really good chance, which he obviously missed um, because he probably deserved that for um for the performance he put in. And I think actually if you as a sort of understudy to Lacazette and a guy who can come in and cover a lot of ground and, and, and help with that press. And I think he's, um he's a great asset to have. So I, I thought he was good. And it is, you actually start to look at the depth of our attacking options. You think actually we're in a, we're a pretty good place. And I think for, um you know, i realized he talks about the attack without talking about Saka, but when we talked about him at the top, obviously he just had so much um to, to the attack and I know you I think you were saying that surely he deserves his chance on left wing but I kind of think it would he's get it does he need to be on left wing if he's creating lots of great chances and defending well from where he is at the moment and actually just having him in a, another threat um to play alongside of Bamiang or Martinelli I think is is really good um I don't know what you think on that
0: yeah I mean he like it, it... That position could, could be his. I mean, to be playing at that level at 18 years old. I mean, he's different to the fullbacks that they've got, um, at Liverpool, like almost a more, more traditional size. For a left yeah. back in the Premier League, like much more built like Ashley Cole, um, and than, yeah. than Robertson or Trent Arnold, but I, I he's he's performing. He's playing out of position. Um, he's doing a brilliant job. Uh, I I just think his game has got so many levels to go. I I, I really think I really think he's going to be um, a special talent for us. I'm a little bit nervous about the rumblings. Uh, yeah, yeah, rumblings about the contract. Uh, I'm thinking back to Raheem Sterling back in the day. Uh, and I'd imagine that a player of Saka's uh, mm. profile would probably quite suit uh, a, a Liverpool, or you know, I think Chelsea have been linked as well. But yep. uh, overall, like he, you know, he, he's a he's a player that's taking his chances, and uh, it's it's uh, another, uh, you know, I think fans have lost uh, lost touch with sort of the players, you know, th- uh, over the last ten years. We haven't had many heroes. Uh, to get excited about, but um, bringing players through the youth ranks um, excites yeah. everybody and it's nice to finally get some English players coming through that you can see a, a, a great long-term future for. So, I yeah. thought we had a great performance um, against Newcastle. Um, it would be interesting to see what happens when um, so, some of the more senior players come back into contention. Does he maintain his place there or does Arteta move him a little bit further up the pitch?
1: Yeah. I wonder, with Kieran Tierney, I mean, what do you... I, I don't think you can drop him at the moment. I think he's, um, you know, he's he's too valuable to the team. I mean, he got man of the match, and he's playing with you know four superstars up front as well. So, I
0: mean, can you imagine um, getting so- Tierney and Saka, yeah, down a, yeah. down the left. I mean, that's that's a that's a devastating uh, double act.
1: Yeah, but like you said, I don't actually. Would you drop Abamyang from that position? Because it's not—he's not really a left winger. He plays that role sometimes, but he's basically a sort of left-sided striker um, when we're in possession. So I
0: don't think you drop Abamyang until he leaves. I think maybe more with a view to next season. And, uh, I, yeah. and then, you, and then you do wonder who like who's going to play there next season if we mm. do lose Abamyang and Lacazette, which is looking fairly likely. Does does that? Responsibility fall on Gabriel through the middle, or mm. does it? You know, like, it'd be interesting to see how we play that. And back yeah. to the game, um, o- overall, uh, overall performance marks. Like, how are you? um How are you judging that performance in the grand scheme of the last nine or n- nine or so games?
1: Well, I mean, you were saying you mentioned earlier about a wow moment for Arteta, and I, I was sort of thinking about that. And I think my my my. Again, it might sound counterintuitive, but my wow moments where I've really been blown away, I think we're Man United at home. Um, Chelsea at home as well until Mustafi, sort of Mustafi things there. Um, And then the Bournemouth in the FA Cup, I think uh, some of the goals there were just amazing team goals. I don't think this performance was as good as those performances. It wasn't as comprehensive. Um, But I just think the... You know the result, and the other great thing is that you've got. We we were sort of dreaming at the start of the season about an attacking line of Ozil, Pepe, Lacazette, and Abamyang, and they all scored uh, last night, which is is sort of really quite satisfying. So I think it's it's great for momentum, and then the the thing you're looking for now is it, I know you say it's every game is a you know real test, but Everton, if we can beat Everton, and then then you really feel like there's some momentum, and you don't you don't know you know what's the where's the limit could we could we genuinely get top four um he says sort of thinking wishfully um so I think I think it's you know look it it, they're only it's it's Newcastle they're not the best team but we and we absolutely thrashed them so it's great and it's a good bit of momentum um there were still things in the performance that weren't great but I still think are being worked on um so yeah that's my rambling assessment
0: yeah, it was a draw conversion therapy for me. I think that <laughs> I was so excited about just getting the win because after that first half, I was yeah. like, oh, God, this looks like it's got draw written all over it. Yeah, yeah. Again, yeah, yeah. And then people, you know, the doom mongers will be out there talking about potential of, of relegation. So um a, a big performance in the sense that... Arteta's had a difficult time. That you know, he's trying to implement this process. But if mm. you if you tell people to follow process and then the output is still shit, people can lose faith pretty quickly. Yeah, um, yeah. I think the I, I think it was a massive uh, performance for the players. I mean, they went a little bit over the top at the end of the game. Um, you know, with Lacazette's. Uh, you know, fuck the haters. Post. Oh god, it's it's, it's a bit embarrassing. Some of the over top <laughs> cheering, but, but I, I think the fans get so silly about players enjoying winnings it, you know can become a bit tiresome but my point is that at least they're feeling good and at, yeah. least, and at least they look happy on the pitch and uh at least we're seeing uh a reaction so we've got we, we've got a fairly good run of games i think we're six games unbeaten in the league yeah. i mean if you take that to 10 and there's a there's another four wins that's a, yeah. that's a pretty good start to your career considering you know the, the depths that this squad went to under under unai emery um yeah. who obviously had to pick up off of the back of uh, Arsene Wenger. so i think it's a great performance but we need momentum now we need to find a bit of consistency yeah. and we need to see uh, you know what we did in the second half c- uh, over a full 90 minutes because i don't think we've had like the perfect game
1: yet yeah can i just say uh, just on the celebration point, I just noticed Roy Keane has um, done his shtick of uh, saying, you know, Arsenal. What are they celebrating last night? Sort of over celebrating. And I, they, I mean, he's just, you know, he's a fucking miserable, miserable, guys, yeah. a miserable man. Anyway, but I think it's easy to, you know, take these things out of context. Like, of course, it, you know, it's it, it's a poor, It's not a great achievement compared to what we've done in the past or what you know Liverpool are about to do, or whatever. But you, you've got to look at the context of where those guys, you know, Lacazette's form had been rock bottom. We haven't won a game, a Premier League game, for quite a while. And we definitely haven't won as com- we won, won six won as all season. Yeah. So, and, you know, it was a really comprehensive win. And, you know, why not enjoy it and celebrate it? As long as you're focused for the next one, which I'm sure they will be. It's just like, oh, get over it, man. Like I a know. celebration, please.
0: It is uh, It is painfully pathetic that you know Roy Keane just hasn't moved his commentary game on in 15 years like you know yeah. that if a player celebrates something that isn't the World Cup final Roy Keane's going to have a problem it's like it's not real yeah. analysis it's like it's it's real gutter uh, gutter sentiments in in my opinion and it, look the Jurgen Klopp has basically created the perfect football team this season mm. and in his first few seasons, they were celebrating, uh, you know, getting last minute draws uh, away from home and, you know, beating teams like West Brom. So I, I, mm. I'm, I'm, if, if the players are happy on the pitch, that makes me happy as a fan because it yeah. hasn't felt like that over the last few years. So, like, you know, good, good luck to them. At least it feels like there's a bit of um, bit of spirit coming back to the dressing room.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah.
0: So we're heading to uh, – like we'll, we'll just start part three. We're just going to roll right through because the United-Chelsea game is coming up. I wanted yeah. to start on the race for top four um, because now it's a, a race for the top five potentially Yeah. Um, with Manchester City taking a Champions League ban. We are currently, at, at the time of this um, podcast, we are six yeah. points from fifth, seven mm-hmm. points from fourth.
1: Oh my I mean, God! You don't dare want to, to look dream. at it,
0: but it is, that's not a lot of points, right?
1: Yeah, no, dare to dream. Why not? Um, I mean, yeah, we'll have to wait to see what happens with United and Chelsea, and then you start. I mean, this is what's what's great, and what you didn't have a, a, when Emery was there. You, you start to you get the hope back a bit, and you start to look ahead at the fixtures and you think, well, we could we could win that, and we could win that, and you know, I, I think the as I said, I think the the real interesting one will be Everton because we're probably. You know, we're in a similar, on a similar road to recovery as them. Uh, they've got a, a, obviously a pretty good manager, and if we can do something against them, then you know we'll we'll leapfrog them for a start. Uh, you know, but then we're we're it's really on, and I think the belief will come back, and we'll see performances get better and better. Um, so that for me is going to be a, a really a really big one.
0: Uh, so what do you think? What do, do you think we've got a better chance? Uh, Europa League. Or going for top four because Emory made the big mistake last year of betting on Europa League, and we had that disaster at Palace. That yeah, we went on a horrendous uh, run where we basically threw away third. Don't,
1: don't remind me. Yeah, yeah. What do
0: you um what, what do you think? Because um I think Inter Milan had a bad result against Lazio. Yeah, yesterday, if I'm correct. Um. And if, that's a team with like Ashley Young and Lukaku in there, and I know Lukaku is like is a, is a good striker, but it wasn't very good for United. I don't uh, do you. I think that they're the only team that I would really fear outside of um, United. Yeah, like, I mean, what, I don't, what do you think?
1: I don't know enough. It's <laughs> my lack of respect for the Europa League. I don't really know enough about who's sort of left in there. I would always say that banking on a cut to get you, you know, is, is obviously higher risk. And I don't see why with the depth we've got now that we, we shouldn't be able to to do both. I think we've got probably the, if you line up the teams we're playing in the Premier League versus the teams we could potentially play in the, the Europa League, it's, it's it's definitely more difficult. Um, and actually, I wonder if we're, you know, we're, we're a team now that doesn't, okay, we we're struggling to 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 win games but we're not we're a team that doesn't really lose so actually maybe that's more favorable we suited to the two legs yeah yeah for a cup competition we don't concede a lot I and mean, we haven't lost in 2020 is that right or yeah so in the in the league yeah in know we haven't lost at all in in 2020 um yeah so maybe that'd be more favorable for a cup But i just i sort of my wife well look i think we've got the, everyone's coming back from fitness we've got a lot of players who've been out and been rested I think there's no reason why we can't go help a leather for both
0: there's a there's not a lot of great teams in in this I think like Roma uh, could be threatening but I, I think that they're weak Wolves is obviously yeah. you know the, they're always a problem for, for bigger sides but um, outside that, it doesn't look like there's anything too threatening. far yeah. into Milan and you've, United could be a problem, but it doesn't look like they're going to get rid of Ole. So um, you know, come right. Yeah. them off. But uh, and okay, and then on to the, the next subject is the, the reasoning that fifth has come open. Um, Manchester City uh, banned yeah. from the Champions League. Didn't see that coming, did you? No,
1: uh, not not you know to. To to be a bit of a venger, you know, not the way that those rules have been enforced in the past. It seems to be a bit of a, um, you know, you, you get your you get your slap on the wrist, but you pay a fine. And I actually wonder if you know they've appealed it. So, um, wonder if they'll be able to to sort of do that again because it seemed money. It seems sort of money talks in football. unsurprisingly. I do think there's a bit of a you know this cringe, and it's the Sunday supplement wankers um, you know there's one I think Martin Samuel talking about like, sort of comparing it to their position to the Windrush scandal and uh, or the victims of the Windrush scandal which is you know and then um, I think it was Oli Holt and uh, you know if I've got this wrong I don't, you know, apologies. but Ollie Holt also saying look you know they they were trying to have their dream of being in the Champions League and it's like let's let sort of disassociate these two things obviously we you know Football should be about um, every, all teams getting an opportunity to, um, to to sort of to pursue glory, and the more the more entrenched those teams at the top, top become, the worse it is generally for the game. And I know Arsenal were part of that and the breakaway group for the Premier League and, and things like that. And so, you know, we could we should always be thinking about how how we can make sure. It doesn't become entrenched, and you know you can look at the NFL, for example, of ways of doing that. That is totally different to what Manchester City have done.
0: Yeah, I, I totally, I, I, I totally, I totally hear hear what you're saying, Alex. So. Uh, I guess the big question is, do, does the shoe drop for um, other clubs that have been doing similar things in Europe? I mean, in the Manchester City case, it, they literally had emails showing that they were completely aware of of, of what they were doing to skirt the rules. Mm. Um, but I, I, I don't think, I, I think there are some major clubs around the world that are doing the same thing. So I hope that this isn't just a, a look... Look at what we've done to Manchester City. Buck up your ideas elsewhere. It should be um, distributed evenly um, throughout Europe if, if that's yeah. the stand they're going to take. But um, well,
1: how how much faith do you have in sort of FIFA or UEFA to sort of act?
0: Well, now um, Arsene Wenger is. Uh, oh, that's true. Yeah, yeah. he's gonna he's gonna, gonna change the world. He's he's there to clean FIFA up from the inside. So I've got a lot yeah. of faith that they're going to deliver on that. But, uh, <laughs> but regardless, it's a statement, and I wonder. Um, I wonder what the ramifications are for Manchester City squad because Pep Guardiola says he would stay with the club even if they got relegated. Because there's also talks that maybe the Premier League has to act as well because wow. you know, if you financially doped your club and you've broken rules that are so bad that get, that get they get you kicked out of the Champions League, what are the ramifications for the Premier League?
1: Um,
0: yeah, it's interesting though. Like as a fan, would like Manchester City have won the league? It's been slightly tainted. But has it really? Like the football was incredible. Do you think the fans correlate the the two money and money and output? Do you think they really care?
1: Uh, I mean, I, you know again, it's. I think it's it, it, as a who who am I to say you know what a City fan should feel? But I could imagine you know they weren't they weren't a great team for years, and if you've been following them through that, seeing them all these great players come in and win the league, I mean you'd understandably sort of not really care as much about how the money was gained. And, you know, who's to, who's to say if, if certain people hadn't taken over at Arsenal and it led to success, we wouldn't be in the same boat. So I, I don't necessarily think it's about the, the sort of fans' responsibility to, you know, be sort of sanctimonious or or, uh, or whiter than white about whether they like their team or not, regardless of how the money's come about. I think it's, it's the job of the people sort of officiating the game and perhaps making sure this kind of situation doesn't happen in the first place maybe and it's not you can still you can do that while still enjoying the benefits of of sort of increased investment football in in football brings i think you know i haven't (laughs) that's my my view anyway
0: okay cool all right well let's um let's move on to the final topic Mm. Uh, i i told you um at at christmas the uh, mateo was uh, a bit of a problem child and here we are. Um, Arteta, um, said that, you know, behavior didn't map, match up to his expectations. And, uh, that was the reason that he was dropped. He didn't actually specify that it was Gwendozi, but, um, yeah. it's pretty clear that, you know, he, he he's fit and he's, he, he's, he's a hot player and he's mm. not in the squad. And then the Telegraph followed up the story, uh, with, uh, news that he had a massive bust-up because Arteta and the training staff didn't feel that his body language or attitude uh, at the Dubai training camp uh, w- was good enough, and apparently the the row spilled into the hotel. Um, yeah. You kind of feel like it's one of those moments, everybody's done it in their one of their first jobs where you just won't let it drop, and you should. And, you, you know, as you get older, you learn that restraint and that actually – there's not having an argument with authority never really ends well. Um, yeah, yeah. What do like? What, what do you what do you think here? I mean, it it feels firm, and uh, one of the things Emery lacked was consistency. Uh, if yeah. everybody's treated to the same standard, I think that's good for the squad. Do you see this being terminal, or do you think that this is just a smack on the wrists uh, for well, somebody, as you say, is young?
1: Well, I, yeah, I think it, 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 it. There's a. It depends, really. He's he's young. He's he's he seems quite close with a couple of the senior guys in the team who are bought into what Arteta is doing. So you'd hope one of them would say, "Come on, don't be ridiculous. You've got a really good opportunity here, and um, you know, sort of just put, keep your feet on the ground a bit." So hope it's not terminal. And we've seen, you know. Jacques obviously come back from much worse and Sabayas obviously has, has has done something similar so i think with our the thing i like about arteta is um and especially his memory is there is clarity and consistency in his approach which is sort of the attributes of a good leader and he he's fair um he doesn't make these sort of arbitrary decisions about dropping people and trying to shift blame that, that emery did um and you you have to believe that he will give Grenduzi the thing i like the, the approach Arteta seems to be taking is he picks a team based on how players have performed in training uh no no other criteria sort of needed which is in a way is quite good because then if you go into each training session thinking shit you know shit i really need to pull my finger out if I want to play on saturday um that's a great way to get the most out of players and if he's as long as he's consistent in that approach then it it should Work and like I said at the top, if um, if it doesn't with Gündüz and he continues to be you know want to be difficult, then you know we sell him. We will probably get quite a lot of money for him um, considering his age and his ability.
0: Yeah, it's um, he's potentially a jewel that could be picked up by a a Paris in the summer Mm. for quite a hefty amount if he continues to be a problem. His stock is obviously quite high in Europe. I think he was made named the second most valuable teenager in the world as uh as as early as may um you know he's
1: got he's got juventus energy all over him i could see him in the juventus kit
0: yeah Um, that's a that's a really that's a really top shout (laughs) <laughs> um it, it, it'd be a shame though because he's a talent and the problem with being yeah. young is you gen you genuinely don't see what is uh an opportunity because you don't have the experience so which makes it all the more impressive when you see young players that just knuckle down and f- get the fuck on with it uh because i certainly would be more in the Grendosi camp uh yeah. as, a, as a as a young person <laughs> in business but um yeah. I, I guess it's um I guess it's all down to him, isn't it? Because yeah. he'll be needed for the rest of the season, and it's whether he wants to continue the fight or whether he wants to get back in the back in the start in eleven. And because yeah, yeah. there's you know if he does want to leave in the summer, uh, very difficult to buy a young player and justify a massive price if you come with attitude baggage.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah. Okay. So, um, I was, well, I was go- are we gonna? Can we? Are we wrapping, or can we just talk about the signings, quickly? Really? Because I don't think let's we, um... talk
0: about the signings. Let's talk about Pablo Mari and uh, Cedric Suarez, which was a bit, uh, which, which was a bit of an, both odd signings, if you ask me.
1: What do you, do you think? There's a more, to, I mean, that you know, their sort of abilities or lack, or sort of lack of star quality has sort of been well documented. But do you think there's more to it? The thing I can't get out of my head is is this sort of part of a sweetener with, with an agent that means we, we take these guys for a bit and then in the summer we get, we do a madness on someone really exciting.
0: I think that there's, um I think that you just have to read between the lines of what's said in the press uh, mm. and, and then just do a bit of research yourself. Raul has a favorite agent that he likes to yeah. use or a group of favoured agents that he likes to use, uh, you know, jams this canella's into deals. I mean, canella's recommended Emery. I can't believe that anybody worth their sort at Arsenal recommended um, a manager with such a a, a, a dismal record um, when it comes to the sorts of things that we needed um, at the time. Poor communication, couldn't speak English. I mean, it's quite, quite an effort to get that man through the door. Yeah. So um, the reason that I'm going over that old ground again is um, – when things are not transparent, uh, you 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 cause a focus on on the decisions and why you make them. And look, I understand that super agents are important in world football. Dortmund have got a mm. great relationship with Raiola, and that helped get the Haaland deal uh, over the line. Yeah. My my concern is when um, you don't quite understand why things are happening. And look, it, maybe Raúl said yes to Cedric Suárez. Because they're like, well, you know, three four years ago he was a hot thing, and maybe we can get him back playing again. And he yeah. he, he, he he takes over a little gap for us. But it, I would suspect that we've taken on an average player like that because there's something sweet coming in the summer. Yeah, I, I, I hope. But even then, I, ju- I just it, it's not it's not the way to do business, is it? I mean, nah. that 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 is not. Um, that is not a, a elite mentality. That you sign a yeah. player that Southampton, Southampton thought and were completely shocked, couldn't believe that we would pay a fee for a player that was injured, that they thought would go to a, a lower level club. And Ra- Ralph Hassenhuttle is a good judge of talent. Yeah. Uh, so that one was odd. Um, so you've got your you've got your odd signing in Cedric Suarez because uh, I mean, unless Arteta does a master masterful job, I don't think he's at the level. Then you've got Pablo. We, Mari. we also didn't.
1: We also didn't need a Right. That was arguably that's the one position we're we're pretty well stopped now.
0: Yeah, I I mean I I'd be very surprised to to see him play that much. I mean I think he's um I think he's got a fairly good record moving forward. someone mm. was talking about assisting the assister. I think he's you know, he he makes like one key pass a game or average, yeah. like near, there or thereabouts. The Pablo Mari deal is another one of uh, uh of Raul's Agents, yeah. I believe. So I think uh, Cedric Suarez was Kia. Um, I think Canales is Pablo Mari's agent, if I'm correct. But mm. this but this one, you're like, okay, well, I can kind of see it, right? The guy has had a breakout season. He's 26 years old. He's peak. He's tall. He looks like Permata Saka. He just won the Champions League of uh, of South America. Mm. And he's brilliant at playing the ball out the black. He leads a high line and allowed. loud... Flamingo to play a different style of football, and yeah. he's probably going to cost us sub ten million. I, I can see, I can see why you would take that gamble. Yeah, yeah,
1: right. no, I think yeah, that one makes more sense.
0: Um, but uh, the Kike Marin is, well, who I think is a, a really fun journalist. Obviously, gets a lot of joy from bantering with Arsenal fans. But he basically said the Mari and Suarez are not Arsenal level. These are Raoul signings. But it, then he responded to an Arsenal fan TV tweet and said Arsenal have already signed two players for the summer, and he thinks that they're really good players. Uh, so you
1: intriguing. know, like
0: yeah. uh, maybe that. I mean, I don't know who that. You know, could it be Upper Meccano? Uh But I, yeah. I was watching his video of him against Bayern Munich. He's a very clunky player. It reminds me a little bit of Sol Campbell on the ball. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um,
1: might, might it be? Uh... Felipe Melo or oh, yeah. <laughs> who else one of the people we've been linked with but oh yeah. what's was uh, the Chelsea guy called? Cause Sal- Salomon Kalou and we finally got it.
0: Who's he's still playing, isn't he? He's still playing. Is he? He's at final. Huh. Yeah. Um Charles Inzobia. Yeah. Yeah. He really tried to leak his way into the club. <laughs> um, but uh, but I don't know but you know, like if if, if we sign uh, a couple of superstar young kids this summer or, uh, I you know we're obviously looking at uh, an interesting profile of players. We were looking at the um, Gaia uh, videos, yeah, you know, the, the yeah. young guy from La Havre, yeah, yeah, Patrick yeah, Vieira esque, fast, he looks very good, yeah, can move the ball from deep, um, can, can, can dribble. So, the the interesting thing with that link to, to that guy, um, is that the profile of player is shifting, right? It yeah. looks like we're moving towards athleticism um in in the midfield so that's exciting and i'm i'm hoping that um edu recognizes what arsenal need mm. um, this summer because I, I, like it can't be a summer of Cedric Suarez is you know Arsenal are not built to be able to absorb shit players uh, because you're trying to do a deal for a mate and the only other thing that I will mention and look I am not on board with this super agent stuff I really I really don't like it I understand the necessity but I think it's um, there's something deeply wrong with uh, the game where you know clubs are being taken over by these guys but the the one thing that did make me a little bit excited is uh, Kier is an Arsenal fan
1: oh really?
0: yeah so he's a he's a massive Arsenal fan so and, like, Kier's uh, original first couple of signings were um, he brought Carlos Tevez and uh, Javier Mascarano.
1: Oh, was that him? It
0: was him, yeah. those, those oh, were. He wow. brought them to West Ham in that, like, super dodgy deal that yeah. got West Ham in a lot of trouble. But, yeah. you know, so there's an eye for talent there somewhere. So, you know, maybe he's got some players on his roster that he's moving into the club. But at least mm. he's a super agent that is obviously looking after, you know, his wallet and his fees. But, you know, maybe there'll be a little bit of... Uh, Sympathy for, yeah, yeah. for the cause. So yeah. potential there.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Um, okay. Well that was uh that was a good session. i I'm, I think we're gonna tune into the the Man United Chelsea game now. Uh yeah, what's your hopes glasses. for that game?
1: Uh just a lot of injuries really. A lot yeah, of injuries, yeah. Some red cards and a draw. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's already started, it's looking pretty bad so far.
0: Awesome, awesome. Okay, well, uh, thanks for joining. Uh, if you're listening, share this with your friends, recommend this podcast, and, uh, and celebrate the sound because I'm going to make sure that this one is perfect and everything yeah, is safe. With a five-star review, right? A five-star yeah. review. You celebrate sound. Don't give me a yeah. four or a one. Just go all in on that five. Uh, yeah. Ciao for now.
1: Hi, I'm Dr. Andreas Michaelitis, Chief Psychologist at Noom. But what's Noom and why does Noom need a chief psychologist? Noom is a weight loss program that works, with results that last, because we know that changing the way you eat starts with your mind. With Noom's proven psychology-backed tools, one-on-one coaching, and flexible plans that emphasize progress over perfection, you'll have the tools you need to change your relationship with food. So sign up at Noom.com now and lose the weight for good. That's N-O-O-M.com. Sports Social Podcast Network.